And welcome back into another episode of the All B Sports Podcast, where it's all BS all the time. We want to take a moment here um, to realize that, you know, we try to provide a voice, uh, a, a distraction for you throughout the day, but uh, we want to take a moment to acknowledge that change needs to happen in this world uh, from what's going on. You know, you, you've seen it. Um, we realize that, again, that change needs to happen. And we want to just take a moment of silence to reflect and for you to reflect on what change you feel like needs to happen. And with that, uh, let's let's get into some sports talk. Um, so big news coming out of one of the major leagues here is the NBA season back on the table. Uh, potential start date of July thirty first uh, will run to uh, it's a twenty team excuse me twenty two team format running from July first to October twelfth, being the final potential game seven of the NBA finals for this season. Um, Big, that's big. You know, if the NBA can come back, that's that's obviously huge news for the NFL coming back, making sure they're on time. Yeah, I think it's great news, um, especially for anybody who is a Lakers fan out there, uh, like myself. Um, obviously, they sold the farm to get uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis together on this team. And obviously, LeBron James is a year older. They technically only have Anthony Davis for a one-year contract. So, uh, whether or not he's going to resign, there's going to be a question, but this at least gives them the opportunity to see this season through to the end, which, uh, a lot of Lakers fans were looking at it, wondering if that was going to be a thing. I think, um, more than anything, that's probably going to be the biggest, the luckiest fan base with this thing coming back. Yeah. Huge championship opportunity for LeBron and the Lakers for sure. And I do believe it's all taking place at, uh, Disney World. In Orlando, that's yeah. correct. Yep. So you would think that'd be great for the players' families, but I did hear that uh, the players nor their families are going to be allowed in the actual park riding rides. Oh, boy. So <laughs> sad day for the, uh, you know, LeBron's kids and anybody, all the other players' kids. Yeah, talk about a crazy world that we're living in right now. Um, they're circulating talks about using 2K, NBA 2K, uh, crowd noise yeah as the simulation for a uh, a crowd atmosphere well they're so. gonna have to do something because that th- those big stadiums that every little chirp and bounce of the ball you're gonna hear echo and reverberate so they got to do something to drown some noise yeah i think going down to the lowest level of sports i mean there's always been something about you know when you're practicing when you're you know just you and your team scrimmaging the sound you know you, you hear the sound of the court a lot more but that kind of you lose all that in the moment of a game and I can't even imagine what that'd be like at the stage of professional sports. So it'd be, I don't even know how you bring the intensity uh, to a game without that. So. Yeah. Some interesting stuff for sure. The, the other quick notes on this is with, with the uh, potential end date of October 12th, the NBA draft would be three days after that on October 15th and they would do their free agent uh, uh, season um, signing period three days after the 15th. So on the October 18th, it was a real quick turnaround here. And then they would try to start their 2020 and 2021 season on December 1st. So these players would, you know, LeBron is all rested. You know, these older guys are all super rested right now for this run, potential run for a championship, but then they'd have to turn around and start their next season 
a month after this. Yeah, I think we would see a lot of guys uh, go into a really, really major kind of load management type of thing, um, something that a lot of players have kind of bucked in the past. I think you would definitely see um, a lot of teams, you know, maybe the teams that are, are really looking, that feel like they have it all together, uh, that they can make that big run down the stretch, that they're going to rest those guys early on and see kind of what their bench is able to do. Uh, because, again, it, it wouldn't do you any good to wear your guys out coming off this quick turnaround and then, you know, have no juice left in the playoffs. So it, it, I, w- I don't want to say that it's the new normal because I think that obviously we're going to transition into something uh, different, you know, in the in the following seasons and maybe get back to a, an old normal. But uh, going forward, it's, it's going to be weird. Definitely. And uh, let's, let's, let's see some new, uh, some NFL news came out uh, Friday. Well, it didn't come out Friday, but on Friday, coaches were allowed into their facilities for the first time since uh, the the league kind of shut down. Uh, That's big news, big news for the season moving forward and getting started on time. Absolutely. And with that, we'll get into today's topics, which is the AFC North and the AFC South. Uh, where do we want to start, guys? Anybody want to kick it off with uh, with one division or the other? Well, I think we could start with the AFC North. I think just just get it out of the way and just start with probably the team with the highest expectations uh, in the Ravens. Uh, obviously, this was a team that, uh, with Lamar Jackson, was just an absolute powerhouse last year. Kind of looked like they couldn't be beat if they didn't want to get beat. Um, that running game. Yeah, obviously, we had a tale of, uh, two Lamars uh, for the f- second season in a row. Uh, I'm questioning if, if teams can turn that into a blueprint for how to slow them down during the regular season. Uh, but yeah, what are you guys' thoughts with that? Yeah, I think Lamar needs to become a better passer for sure. I mean, he's ob- obviously what he can do with his feet is kind of a cheat code. You yes. know, you're making professional athletes look silly with with what he can do, you know, as far as you know, juking and moving, it's it's pretty crazy. So for him, uh, for him, first and foremost, I think he needs to become a better passer um, to help his team the most right now. Yeah, and I think um, something that people don't really see, obviously he completed 66% of his passes last year, uh, but a lot of that was just due to scheme. He was throwing to a lot of pretty open guys. He was throwing from pretty open areas because he's so dynamic as a player that you, it, it's not, there's nothing you can really do to, to get him out of, his, out of his game for the most part, it seems. Um, but I think most college quarterbacks can throw pretty, pretty passes, consistent passes. It's that learning how to throw from the pocket more often. Um, obviously you don't want to take his legs away. That's too big of an, that's too big of an area of his game. That's, it's a wild card, but, uh, learning to throw from the pocket with those pressures and things like that. When, when other things are breaking down, I think is going to be what's super important to his long-term success. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's shown the ability to grow as both an athlete and a quarterback just from the year one to year two. Uh, He did vastly improve his passing ability, so we'll see if that trend continues in year three. And if it does, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with over the next ten years. But if, if it doesn't, then I do believe that teams will figure him out and start, you know, and they'll start becoming more of the middle of the road team that they were before him. Yeah. And I was looking at some things because uh, obviously we kind of want to call him the most dynamic runner and passer of the football. But um, when you adjust for 
seasonality completion percentages back when Michael Vick was playing. It was just a different game. Obviously, he was only completing 55 to 60% of his passes um, back then, but you might lead the league with uh, 63%, 64% completion of your passes, whereas we're seeing guys completing 70% now with the new rules. It's a softer league. Um, that All that to be said, there people found ways to slow down Michael Vick, and he was every bit as dynamic. He was every bit as, a good, as, as good of a thrower as him as uh, Lamar is now, just uh, just a different era, I think. Um, looking at their draft, I think they did get uh, Patrick Queen, very solid pickup for the defense. Uh, I think um, I think he's the best linebacker in this draft. So, I mean, for them, their defense has kind of purged a little bit over the last couple of years. Yeah. So for them to pick up him and keep Judon, uh, I think that's I, mean, I think that's huge for that defense. And uh, most of their most of their free agent signings were all on the defensive side with uh, safety Anthony Levine and Jimmy Smith. Uh, you know, so they're I think they kind of retooled a little bit here and, and realized that they're they're close. They were I mean they were they're thirteen and three last year, so they definitely underperformed in the playoffs. They didn't realize that they have a window right now, and and that window is is will close pretty quick. But um, I, I I think they realize they're close, and and they're trying to they're trying to get get one of these get the Super Bowl here. Yeah, the strength of their defense was definitely in the secondary, and they wanted to keep that with the re-signing of Levine and Jimmy Smith. And but they knew that they needed some work on the front seven, which is why they went and got Colias Campbell tagged Judon because they didn't want to see him go. And that middle, those middle linebackers were really kind of struggling it since C.J. Mosley left for the Jets. And I think Patrick Queen is going to slide in there and uh, shore that up. For sure. They also drafted Justin Matabuke um, in the third round, who I think is really good, a real good pickup for them too, to, to help with that center of the, that, that front seven. Yeah. And Brian briefly mentioned Clayus Campbell there. uh, And I think that was just a huge, huge pickup. I mean, this is a guy that, if he has anything left in the tank, uh, he's an instant force to be reckoned with. He had a, he had a down year last year with six and a half sacks and two forced fumbles. Uh, you talk about um, those those middle linebackers being able to do things, and it, it comes down to what that, that defensive line can do. If they can make their plays up front, you open up the lanes for those middle linebackers to come in, make plays, uh, and, and be a disruptive force there too. So, uh Big move with Clayus Campbell. Big move with Patrick Queen. Let's, also, do love the move. Uh, second round picking up J.K. Dobbins. I was just going to say, yeah, let's flip it to the offense, yeah, because I think this running game got even stronger with J.K. Dobbins. I'm not, I'm not ready to say that it got stronger yet. I think that was great planning on their end for the future because Mark Ingram, this is his last year on his contract, and I think he's going to be like 31. So I think after this year, the Ravens will move on from him to save money. But they took a huge hit in their run game with Marshall Yonda retiring. I think he's he. They're obviously best interior offensive lineman that they had, which, as we know, is pretty uh, needed for a good run game. And they replaced him with DJ Fluker. I think he played for the Seahawks. Uh, Yonda, Pro Football Focus, had him at a 85 overall grade, which is phenomenal but then you have Fluker coming in with a 60 grade. So we'll see what kind of impact that has on the run game. They got great tackles, so I think those outside zone runs still still going to be there, but uh, can they get in between the tackles uh, just as well as they did last year? 
Yeah, and I think uh, J.K. Dobbins, great, great pickup. He was an extremely versatile back in college, and I think having a big running back room with the way that they like to play there is super important. Uh, Mark Ingram being 31, he's got some he's got some tread on the tires uh, left, but at the same time, it's kind of at that period of time where you don't know if he's going to go down week two, week three, week five. Uh, and just be out. So having having that extra depth there and just focusing on that. Uh, to that run game, they gave up Hayden Hurst to Atlanta. I think I said it early, early on, I think that the most important thing for this Ravens team is to have that big tight end room. Uh, they run a lot of pistol sets. They run a lot of multiple tight end sets. That's that power dominance that they have. Uh, but a big aspect to that is being able to flip that into a, some sort of a play action, get down the field. And I think that Hayden Hurst was a big, big part of that. And I'm, I'll be interested to see how the other tight ends in the room that they have there can pick up that slack and take on a bigger role. Yeah, they all had pretty good, I think, pretty good usage. All three of them, Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst, and Nick Boyle. Yeah. So obviously his his work role will have to get distributed to those two other guys. I'm not sure if they took drafted a tight end. So they no. must've picked someone up in free agency. Some, someone that's really just there to fill the roster spot. Yeah. And obviously Boyle, he's the, he's the primary run blocker. He's never been known as like a, a major pass catcher. Then Mark Andrews, he broke out as, as a receiver. Uh, but then there was Hayden Hurst who, who could really do both. You didn't know. If he came out on the field on the left side, you didn't know if he was going to down block or if he was going to run down the field. And it's just going to take a little bit of versatility away because when you come out with Nick Boyle on the left, you pretty much know that the passes aren't going to go there, you know, eight times out of ten. So uh, definitely definitely something to be watching with them. But, again, I, I think this is still – of the teams we're going to talk about today, this is probably the team with the highest potential and the highest chance of – repeating what they did last year and being a deep deep in the playoffs mm-hmm. uh, from there we want to go highest expectations to lowest expectations although that might differ between the three of us <laughs> yeah for sure I well I mean what where do we where do we who do we say is the lowest expectations I, I still think it's the Bengals well as far as is yeah well as far as as far as win lost I think I think would be all in that same in that same boat but I think there are there are high expectations for Joe Burrow and that Cincinnati uh, team, I, you know, let's you, you you just drafted the highest rated quarterback in the uh, um, in the in the in college football over the last what ten years? Well, actually, probably since Luck, right? I think he was the highest rated uh, since since Luck came out. So I do think there's expectations there to 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 perform and to be better. Um, with that, with the grain of salt that we understand it's a rookie quarterback, but I do think there's expectations there. Yeah, I mean, they got the they got the best player in the draft with Joe Burrow, I, I personally think. Um, there's some questions about his arm strength, but that's about it. Uh, I still think he has enough arm strength and anticipation uh, to c- overcome that. Like a guy like Drew Brees, who maybe doesn't have the strongest arm, but still at one point is in the league and or in his career uh, led the league in downfield efficient passing. So um, you can do it as long as you have both of the one, one or those attachables playing for you. So um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of excited for the Bengals because I just think that they're a team that is always at, 
phenomenally mediocre, you know, <laughs> and I think that they're at least back onto that road uh, coming off of a season where they were just absolutely terrible. Well, I, I want to disagree with you as far as Joe Burrow being the best player in the draft. I, I don't think he was the best quarterback in this draft. I'm, I, I might be biased, but I, I still think it's Tua, but we talked about Tua. Uh, my, my, my nervousness with Joe Burrow is why only one season? Why was, why was he so successful for one season? Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's definitely a valid point to come to. Um, it, it's really difficult to grade pe- players on stuff like that because you can look at a guy like Tua, right? He has a resume of success in college football, but he also played, he just came into a program that was the best program in f- college football history. Um, he didn't, he, yes, he stepped in, he did great things, but he also didn't have to do great things. He just had to be on the team and the team was going to win. That's a lot of pressure that you don't have. Uh, Joe Burrow bounced around a little bit. And then obviously the Ed Orgeron, uh, regime only got started just a few years ago. So the team in general was new. Uh, Joe Burrow, kind of that first quarterback that Ed was working with there. But at the same time, when you take a guy and you look at what is your potential? I think that's what it comes down to. It's gonna he's gonna require scheming. He's gonna require the team making sure they put him in places to be successful. But for me, I think that's most players. Uh, there's only a few players through history where you can just say you can play anywhere, anytime, and you're just gonna be fantastic. I mean, and the, the, the moving on a little bit um, from Joe Burrow alone. alone there's lots of weapons in Cincinnati. I mean, they drafted T. Higgins, first pick of the second round. Uh, they have A.J. Green, who's going to – well, I, I should be maybe a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, I mean, he's awesome, hugely productive when he's healthy. Uh, the, the thing is, is his health has been hit and miss uh, over the last few seasons. They have Joe Mixon, still young, obviously uh, showed some, some great improvement last season. Uh, over his rookie season so I mean they have weapons there yeah they, uh, adding to that wide receiver room they do have John Ross who even as just as a decoy is a valuable player I think he has the ability to to take that next step we just haven't seen it yet and then Tyler Boyd was an extremely productive uh, receiver last year for a team that kind of a bright spot on a team that really didn't have many uh, so I think there's a lot good there question is really can this defense come back to being what they used to be. Uh, they do have some, you know, Geno Atkins still is over there. Carlos Dunlap. They added DJ Reader and Trey Waynes, yeah. um, both solid, solid guys. I mean, Trey showed some, uh, a little bit of, he had a down season last year, so it'll be interesting to see what he does under a new regime. Yeah, they have uh, somebody, Jesse Bates, the third in the secondary, uh, the safety position, who, uh, second year player, I think now, and, He's looked to be every bit the part of an NFL football player. So a lot of good stuff there. I still think that this team, you know, is around a six to eight win expectation, but uh, I don't expect this team to be picking number one in the draft again anytime I, soon. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about number one, but six to eight seems real lofty for me still because that, that this, this division as we'll go through is, is really tough. Yeah, and uh, the Bengals, I think, I feel like there's still another round of free agency and a draft away from really turning the corner. Yes, they got, you know, if Joe Burrow pans out, they have their quarterback of the future, but they have no offensive line. They have no way to protect him. So I think next year, 
needs to be about the offensive line, uh, getting those pieces as well as getting more defensive pieces. Because you're right, I think they, they do have all the weapons uh, so long as A.J. Green stays healthy, although he'll be gone next year unless they can come to a, uh, another contract deal. But I think that's why they drafted T. Higgins. T. Higgins is 6'4". You know, he's. I think he's going to be the eventual AJ Green replacement. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and I think I, I haven't wanted to get too much, you know, because I think we'll dig into this at some point. But um, who they're going to play this season is important. You know, they have the Chargers Week One. I see that as a win. Uh, they have Ooh. the Eagles. You have, the, you have you, them beating the Chargers. I don't know about yeah. that one, man. <laughs> um, they they have the Jaguars Week Four. That's an easy win. Uh, obviously that I think that they play the Texans. So there's going to be a win. And then they have the AFC uh, or the NFC East with the Redskins, Giants, Cowboys, uh, all a lot of winnable games here. Even if they only win one or two division games, which they, even as bad as they've ever been, they're still extremely competitive that within division their division is always competitive. Yeah. Uh, so I think, a minimum of six wins is going to be easy for them to come by and really eight wins if they can pull off some of those games like like with the Chargers or you know maybe they can upset the Titans, things like that. A um, lot of potential there, I think. Yeah, I'm uh, looking at the schedule. You're, you're, you're right. I, I didn't realize. I mean, they, they kind of have, with the, with the uh, uh, like you said, the NFC least, as I like to say, yeah. you know, the, 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 Giants and the the Redskins definitely winnable games there. Jags winnable game for sure. So, um, next up, where do you guys want to go? What do you think? I think we can run through the the uh, team that I think won the off season again uh, with the Browns. I agree, oh, sir. Always winning the off season, uh, never winning the, off-season. winning the season. <laughs> Is this the year though? I, I can't help but wonder. I, I've I've weirdly just started rooting for the Browns. I I don't even I don't think I'm a fan, but I also just want to see them win every game. I don't know what it is. Uh, but a new head coach, uh, focused on that offensive line, I think that they, maybe this is the year that they put it all together. They have the quarterback who we've seen flashes of potential from. And, yeah, what do you guys think? Um, yeah, I mean, I think they had possibly the best draft in the NFL. As we talked about winning the offseason, they brought in some. Uh, they brought in Jack Conklin to be the left, or excuse me, the right tackle. They drafted Jedrick Wills to be the left tackle. So the huge improvement off on the offensive line. Um, yeah, look at you. Look at Jedrick Wills, who I think probably will go down as the best run blocking tackle out of this draft. And you have a guy like Nick Chubb already. Uh, you and, have and Kareem Hunt. Like, and Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Fantasy spoiler alert: I have uh, Nick Chubb as my rushing champion for this year picked uh i think the passing get he'll still get passing opportunity but i think that mostly goes to kareem hunt but a lot of people have derrick henry as their rushing champion i don't think so i think it is nick chubb yeah i mean honestly the titans losing jack conklin is is something to look at uh and then the browns being the team that picked him up uh and also getting a tight end in austin hooper who's been a production machine throughout his career uh in in place of you know, David Njoku, who we thought was going to be, you know, the, the answer. He he looked every bit the part coming out of college, but he just doesn't show up on Sundays and he's never on the field. So, uh, yeah, this is a team that I'm very excited for. I think that this is probably the year, and I think more than anything with the new head coach, I think getting a guy who seems like he has the, he has the NFL resume to step in and actually 
uh, own the team. Unlike that guy, who, I don't know who their coach was. I forgot his name. I don't want to remember it. <laughs> Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that was it. So, <laughs> um, the other, the other bit that I really like about this team right now is Baker's difference in off season. He's not out doing commercials. He's not being in. He's not media focused. He he came out and said, you know, we just got to work. We have the, every 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 all the bit of talent that we need. We it's just it's time to get to work. And and honestly, this off season has really proven that for me. You haven't heard a peep out of him. He's just working. I feel like. I just want to say something about the commercials last year. I don't believe for a second that Baker Mayfield mowed his own lawn, let alone a whole football. football I gotta field. say, I, I just want to say that while the Browns had a terrible season. And while Baker shouldn't have been in those commercials, they were my favorite commercials. They were good oh, commercials, yes. Fantastic. Yes. But. So and, and going to Baker a little bit, I think that, yeah, I agree. I think that's been a major bright spot uh, in his offseason. But to his credit, I think that he's always done things his way. Uh, and coming out of college, he said that that's, that's who he was. He wasn't going to change who he was to try to get drafted by a certain team. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think if you look at who he is, it's a winner and he finds ways to win and he's going to have as much fun as he can along the way. But if he sees that that fun and that talk and, you know, last season it was thinking, Hey, if I have that edge, if I have that chip on my shoulder, if I'm talking, that's what I've always done. That's what's always worked. And now, okay, that doesn't work anymore. I'm going to find a new way to win. And I think that's exactly what he's doing. We'll definitely see. I think by season's end, if it's good, good for Baker, I think the Browns could, have all the pieces in place to be a good for a really long time. However, if they're bad, Browns are going to start looking for another quarterback because, I mean, the roster is just too good to let Baker Mayfield keep it down if he is, in fact, a problem, which I think we will firmly have that answer by the end of this season. I think, yeah. And, oh, yeah, you get me fired up here. So, <laughs> I mean, when when your team leads the league in penalties, your quarterback isn't the problem. Yeah. When you come out for a fake punt and then you realize that you wanted to go for it and it was already fourth and 13 or third and yeah, fourth and 13, you just take the penalty because you think we'll send the offense out because getting an extra five yards, that won't be harder. That when, when those, when those are the situations that your quarterback is dealing with, I mean, it, it, regardless of the situation, your quarterback is not your problem. Yeah, play, play calling. We, it was so we, we discussed it uh, during the season last year. We, we talked about it uh, uh, before this all came together. But, yeah, the, the play calling last year was pretty horrendous. So with the change, you know, with Kevin Stefanski being there and, and with the change, I do see this team making, uh, like, like we've said multiple times, the talent on this team is undeniable. OBJ, Landry, Chubb, Baker. That's I mean that's just a few of the names. I mean on defense they you know they picked up Grant Delpit in the in the in the in the second round and they've got you know Denzel uh, Ward, yeah. Trey well, Williams. Do you know who else we're not talking about? Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, let that sink in for a second. Yeah, it's been an entire off season, and we're not talking about what Odell Beckham Jr. is doing. He's right working. Now. He's, he's working. He's working with Baker. They're working. Yeah. And they're putting in the work. So he's not on a boat. I don't, if he's on a boat, he hasn't told us. Yeah, he hasn't taken a picture. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, so I think the whole team was humbled by what happened last year. I think there was a culture of wanting to win. 
uh, just not knowing how to do it. Just so. not knowing how to do it. Yeah, I think that uh, this this Browns team is definitely uh, the expectations again are high for this team, um, and and I think they've learned how to deal maybe deal with the pressure from last season and realize that they're they're they just need to work. I think and that more more than anything, and I think they're showing that. Yep. And with that, we're moving on to the Steelers, the last team in this division. Um, Big Ben coming back off his elbow injury. You know, he required Tommy John surgery. I don't think a lot of people realized that it was that surgery. You know, we talk about baseball players having that surgery all the time, but Tommy John surgery on Big Ben, that's a big deal uh, with him coming back. So what's this offense going to look like? I mean, it's definitely going to be better because you don't have Duck Hodges or uh, leading the way, you know. Yeah, and so I, I'm struggling because even, you know, I'm a two-team guy. I love the Indianapolis Colts. I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. I love what the franchises represent. But I'm, I'm pretty torn on the Steelers right now because obviously the defense is, is looking all-world right now, and they're young enough to put something together. Well, um, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you say that. I don't want to cut you off, but I, I, this defense to me, yeah, it, it's, it's, it looks good. I, I think they overperformed last year. They, had, they led the league in, like, turnovers. Yeah. And turnovers are fluky. So if they, I mean, they keep that, can they, I don't think they keep that up. So what do they, what, what that defense actually looks like this year? It'll be interesting to watch. You could argue they're, uh, they're fluky, but there's, there's certain guys like TJ Watt who know how to get the ball out of quarterback's hands. That was a big part of it. Um, same thing with Devin Bush. He's a guy who knows how to get the ball out of guys' hands. And then the turnovers, the interceptions, it comes because that, that front seven is just absolutely mean right now. Uh, they, they tagged uh, Bud Dupree, so they got him for another year. He looked like he was kind of stepping into that role. I think he has another good year. He's He gets a contract, and then they're short up on the edges. Uh, it, Devin, or not Devin, yeah, Devin Bush. I get him and Devin White makes sense. <laughs> Devin Bush looks to be just an absolute all-world uh, middle linebacker, and then I was going to ask Nick about uh, how they could, how the Dolphins could possibly let Minka Fitzpatrick go. Well, you know, we didn't want to. They didn't want to, but the guy didn't want to be there because he didn't want to be on a losing team, and he didn't. He wanted to be a single position guy. And when it, it, I think it was about midpoint in the season, where he his his production as far as interceptions and stuff go you see it fall off because teams were scheming around him just hanging out in the middle of the field 20 yards back you can't really do much when you're just when you're when you want to be a one position guy so the Dolphins did trade him obviously uh you know I think it was a I think it was ultimately a better locker room move for them the guy didn't want to be there so is what it is at this point I mean I wish him all the best and and I think he I think he'll have a successful career but you can't have a guy that doesn't want to be there in your locker room. Just it's a cancer. So moving on as far as yeah. the dolphins are concerned. Well, my kind of my argue, my point to that was just that um, obviously he came in and he was the, the turning point for the Steelers defense. He came in and he was an immediately a spark plug, immediately a turnover uh, guy and brought in a culture of like, Hey guys, I want to win games here. And I, they did that. So, I think, you know, looking at – we talked about it in – I can't remember what team, but this was the Steelers' number one draft pick this year, uh, a guy who's only been in the league for a year and some few odd months. And uh, I think it was a, a genius move by the Steelers' front office to bring him in. 
for sure. I definitely think that was, yeah, the turning point of their defense is when they brought him in. He was kind of like the missing piece in that secondary to help that front seven start creating those turnovers. Yeah. They still need some help. Uh, they brought, they did bring in Steven Nelson. So at corner, but uh, they, they've really struggled. They have Joe Hayden. He's a year older again, you know, that you never know what you're going to get out of those players once they hit a certain age. Uh, so the question of marks, I guess there is going to be, can the secondary hold up uh, to allow the pressure? And then again, can that pressure be generated enough quickly enough to give uh, the secondary time to be in position? Do you think so, uh, Juju comes back to Juju that we had before the 2019 season with Big Ben back? I I want to say yes. Um, you know, the, the Steelers' offense was just such an enigma last year because you had quarterbacks who were just so, so bad. Uh, and it's really difficult uh, to be a number one wide receiver uh, when your quarterbacks just won't do anything. Uh, and really the offense didn't do anything. They were just terrible around the board. James Conner uh, regressed. The, you know, the offensive line looked bad uh, all around. But I think a big, big move was getting Chase Claypool. Uh, fun and tangible about him. 6'4", ran a 4'4'2". There's only uh, one other player in NFL history to have those type, that type of size and that type of 40, and that was uh, Calvin Johnson. So... They bring in a guy who obviously you can put him on one side of the field, and if he can produce, uh, it's going to give Juju those opportunities to be that number one guy if Ben has a number two. Because uh, I don't think you can be a number one if you don't have any sort of a number two. And well, yeah, I really, really struggled last year. Yeah, I think I think Juju being the being the number one. I don't know if he's his skill set is necessarily. Um, conducive to being a wide uh, a number one wide out so bringing in a guy like a speeder like chase claypool and his with his size the one the one thing i will say about chase is and is not in his time at notre dame that you know because he was so so quick and so fast in this size they didn't really use him much as far as a route tree goes so expanding his route tree in the nfl will be uh something that needs to needs to come to fruition and, and see, and we need to see what that looks like. But I'd also don't want to forget about James Washington yeah. who showed sparks, uh, who, who's shown that he can be productive in this, in this system. As well as Deontay Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. I think both those guys kind of stepped up. I not- think having big men back, uh, if he can even perform at 80% of who he used to be, um, that's still the early big Ben that we had uh, that, you know, made Santonio San Holmes that made, Mike uh, Wallace, even Antonio Brown. Uh, Pittsburgh is a wide receiver factory, and a big part of that is because Big Ben trusts his wide receivers, uh, and they don't ask you to do a lot for the most part unless you can. Uh, Mike Wallace, Santonio Holmes, they were really downfield guy, hitch guys, and outs. They didn't run a lot of double moves inside. They didn't run a lot of underneath stuff. They were They were going down the field, and Big Ben gives you a chance. Uh, he'll he'll risk his stats of throwing an interception uh, to give confidence to his guys by believing in his guys. Uh, you saw that in the Super Bowl against the Cardinals with him putting that ball out on the sideline for Santonio Holmes. That's not a lot. That's not a throw that a lot of guys will make in the end of a game, you know. And that just comes down to a level of trust with the wide receivers that you don't see from a lot of quarterbacks. So, yeah, there's a lot of people out there in the world that. Uh you know, don't believe that Big Ben will be Big Ben of old because 
you know, he's all, he's always handed out his off season conditioning slash workout plan. Well, and this year, yeah, I mean, he said it himself. He's been, he was drinking beers and, and be, I don't, with him being off all of last season and this off season, I know he's been working out recently, but you know, he's also contemplated retirement and you know, I, I don't know. Well, don't he's, know. he said early on after his injury that like, I'm going to be come back next year and we're going to, you know, we're going to do this thing. And yeah, he is no Tom Brady in regards to off season workouts conditioning, but I think that this year potentially probably could be one of the best off seasons that he's ever had. Cause you can't, when you have an injury like he had, you can't sit around and drink beer all the time. I'm sure he did, did his fair share of that, but you're you still got to dedicate most of your day to rehabbing. You're forced into some level of rehab. Yeah. Um, Completely spaced what I was going to say. Right now. No, I, I I think the last piece that I want to touch on too is they did bring in Eric Ebron at tight end this off season, which, oh. um, you know, I don't know what the you know I don't know what that does to this team, but Ebron did seem to be pretty productive in his time with Indianapolis. So with him and Jesse Davis, I think they have a pretty solid tight end room. Yeah, so I think with Ebron, he's he's a player that is uh, he's a mismatch nightmare. Uh, but again, it, the reason that he was able to be so successful with Andrew Luck is he's another guy who will sacrifice his stats for the betterment of the team. Um, and Eric Ebron will drop a lot of third, third and three, uh, wide open, nobody around. And he's looking downfield before the ball is in his hands, uh, and dropping it without a defender, you know, within 10 yards of him. And it will drive you absolutely crazy. And, I think that's why Matt Stafford being such a the perfectionist that Matt Stafford is and the, the passion that he plays with, it was a struggle for him. And that's why you saw that um, him not be super successful in Detroit. So the question is, is Ben going to tolerate those dropped balls on third and three when the game is on the line? Uh, I want to just correct. Sorry to cut you off there. I want to, I meant Vance McDonald, not Jesse Davis. I don't know where my mind went right there. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. I will say uh, I, I am extremely excited to see Big Ben back. That's what I was going to say earlier when the hype tape dropped uh, because he had started growing his beard and he said he wasn't going to shave his beard until he threw a football. And then all of a sudden they, they put together a hype tape for it. I don't know if you guys saw it. You I did. Check it out. Uh, but that little bit of Juju in the end, he's back. You know, <laughs> Juju believes he's back. There is conversations that his arm is back. So, Obviously, that's that's all we're ever going to hear from the outside. But if they're being honest, I think they're a good team. Let's uh, and let's let's get to the rankings portion of this uh, division. We have not talked about where we have these teams ranked yet. I'm excited to listen to everybody's uh, predictions on this. So let's uh, let's kick it off, uh, James. What do you got? So I think I gave it away early on. Number one, I have the Ravens. Uh, I just think that they have too many pieces coming back. I think that they reloaded in some areas that they uh, were already good. And so I, 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 they're, they're the type of team with just the Ravens franchise as a whole that they kind of are always good. So uh, until they prove me wrong, I'm going to, I'm going to have them at the top right now. Uh, Number two, this was actually really, really tough for me. Uh, Like I said, being a Steelers fan, I have the Browns number two. Uh, and I think that maybe is a little bit of, of hype 
and looking at what the team was last year and the, what they brought in, uh, coaching being their number one issue, uh, being in some big games. I mean, this is a team that beat the Ravens and, and beat them bad. Uh, at least one game last year. So you saw the potential of this team to be the best team in the NFL. But who knows if they can put it together. Uh, from there, I've got the Steelers, and that all hinges on uh, Big Ben. I could easily have him, have this team number two or even number one in the division if Big Ben comes back and is Big Ben again. Uh, and then going down to the Bengals, I think that they have a really, really bright future. But again, I just think that there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Joe Burrow is coming into a terrible, terrible situation. Uh, and I don't think he's Andrew Luck. You know, I don't think he's a guy that goes from a two and fourteen team to eleven and five. But uh, I do expect this team to be on the rise. Uh, for me, yeah, I gotta agree. Uh, Baltimore Ravens at the top. I don't think they do the thirteen and three season that they did last year. I think it's more of an eleven and five, just because the Browns, at least on paper, got significantly better. The Steelers with Big Ben back. Offense should be significantly better to pair with their very opportunistic defense. Uh, from there, I got I do have the Browns just because you, you know, Big Ben is still a question mark. You don't know what you're going to get from him, and I I want to believe that the Browns turn it around. I just I as James said, you just you watch team be bad for so long, you just start rooting for him just because no one wants to see that. <laughs> Uh, so there might Polar be polar opposite of the yeah, Patriots. Might be a little <laughs> bit of that going on. Uh, next, I do have the Steelers. Uh, keep in mind, I think they're kind of they sit right in place with the Browns as far as their win loss record. I think it could be nine and seven, ten and six there, and then Bengals last and not even close last. I, you know. James, you were saying Texans were a winnable game and the Chargers were a winnable game, and then we brought up the Jaguars, Giants, and Redskins. Those, to me, are legitimately the only teams I could see them beating. And even then, it could it's still a toss-up. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm surprised here, so the, we'll get into it. Um, the Bengals are for me are are fourth um, because there is a lot of work left to do in this in this rebuild. Uh, that offensive line is not good. Uh, so that leave it there. So they, they are fourth. I do think they pick in the top five next season. Um, and I can't believe we all have the Steelers in third place in this division. I, I, I my questions are with Big Ben and that defense. Like it's played out of their minds in the beginning of that season. I mean they were they were one in what one and six and then and then in, in came Minka as you said and then they they won games off of defense defensive touchdowns and you just can't rely on that so it'll be interesting to see what they do um and in second I have the Ravens I have the Ravens in second I think there was a bit of a magical season uh last year with uh, uh with the way they were able to run the ball uh, I think that defense is going to be very good but they are very young um so we'll see uh, what you know, the, what they have that, that offense is again very young, just like the defense. Uh, you know, those weapons need time to develop. Um, and then, yeah, so that leaves the Browns. I have the Browns winning this division. Um, and it just comes down to the, what I what I haven't heard from this team, and what I've been hearing from them is just work. And so I think I think that I think that they have all the, they have all the talent, they have all the weapons. I think the Browns win this division this year. Yeah, and just for me to close with that. Uh... I, I can see it. 
I'll be honest. I mean, I, I went back and forth and again, uh, the Ravens are, are a team in the class with like the Patriots uh, that when they start putting something together, uh, I, I trust uh, Harbaugh enough to keep that going uh, when the pieces are there. A uh, little bit I want to say, because we were talking about like Steelers being third in this division. Uh, clearly the NFC West, I think we talked about being just the, the toughest, strongest division right now. Uh, I think that if Big Ben is 80% of the Big Ben that he was, I think that if the Browns do anything like we expect them to do or even close to it, I think obviously the, the Ravens are still going to be a very, very good team. They always are. Uh, so even just with those three teams, but I expect the Bengals to be a competitive team this year, but we'll leave them out. Just with those three teams, I think if those things happen, I think this is the toughest division in football. I think that they, they go into the playoffs, and if you face an AFC North team – uh, in December, in January, it's going to be a really rough day for you because they're classic football teams. They're going to smash mouth you and they're going to hit you on defense. So uh, really excited for what this division brings and kind of the what football means to me and why I love this division every year. Yeah, I, do, I think you're right. I think this division is going to be very, very, very strong. One of the, one of the better ones in the, in the NFL for sure. And with that, we'll move on to uh, the AFC South. Uh, let's start. Let's kick it off with the Jaguars. Have had an interesting off season. It's really funny because we just talked about the Ravens, who could be the best team in the NFL. And then, if we throw it all the way back to, I don't know if it made the original podcast or not, but it was supposed to. Brian had a little bit about the Jaguars and how they're the best team in the NFL. So Brian, the worst team in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay. No. 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 That makes more sense. Let's yeah. see what you got. Even though, like, uh, you know, if you ask someone, people would probably say the Browns being the worst uh, team in the NFL from a longevity standpoint, just because I don't think they've made the playoffs in like 20 years or something like that. The Jaguars have come and gone and have ebbed and flowed into the playoffs on occasions, even so much as to make the AFC championship a few years ago, only to be beat out by my Patriots. Um. That being said, I think that they're the worst team in the NFL because, like, they go nuts with, like, spending and on free agency to try and do these things. They, uh, they, like, they've never once built a culture from the ground up whatsoever. Yeah, yeah so they, we're they, talking – we're not – when we say team, we should be saying organization. Organizationally, we think that they're – Yeah, front, I mean, front office, they got a couple screws loose. is because they go out and these crazy spending uh, – Sprees getting AJ Bouye, Colias Campbell, Marshall Darius. You know, I think uh, they had one Malik. Uh, no, who a guy from the Broncos a few years ago? Now he's no longer there, but he was a nice interior pass rusher. Mm-hmm. He was he was with the Broncos on their Super Bowl team, which is why they went and got him. Uh, gave him a big contract to go to the Jaguars, and then he just flamed out because. He was only good because Von Miller was good. Malik Jackson. Malik Jackson. So th- I think they went and spent- He was really good because Derek Wolf was really good. And uh, Potros was really good. And uh, Marcus Ware was really good. <laughs> yeah. and Von he was, he was Miller big, was really yeah. good. And TJ Ward was really good. And Danny Trevason. Everybody on that defense <laughs> was really good. Yeah. And then there was a rotational player who like sometimes played. And the... Jaguars were like, yeah, we're going to pay him. 
Yeah, they went and handed him like $20 million because he had like a 10-sack season as an interior defensive lineman. But so I think they went and spent upwards of like $120 million in a single offseason. And that, mind you, that was like three, four years ago. Um, And now none of those guys are left. Like they they just had to clean slate because I think they were coming into the offseason before they cut a bunch of players and traded a bunch of players. They were coming in over the cap in an off season before free agency, before the draft, when they had to sign some people. Yeah. And I'll just interject a little bit. I think that the biggest thing, I don't even think it was necessarily that they didn't have the cap space to keep a lot of these guys. I think what it was, and it comes down to culture and it's the Patriots and it's the Colts and, and the Jaguars sign everybody every year who wants to get paid, you know? And I think that, there's a time and a place to pay the guy who comes in the off season and says, I'm the best at what I do. Give me that contract. Uh, but you have to really have that culture from the, from the ground up to bring those type of guys in. So you bring in all these personalities, all these people who feel like they're the best at what they do. And you, you put them in a locker room together. And now you've got a bunch of guys who are, who are there saying like, well, I feel like I'm here and I'm not getting paid, but you guys will pay everybody else from every other team, the guy that they don't want. You know, because you got to remember, every player that leaves a team is a team is a player that that team didn't want bad enough to pay. Uh, and I think it was just a culture thing. I think that you saw something, and you saw it just coming out. Jalen uh, Ramsey wanting out, and yeah, then them making that way. happen, and not finding a way. And I don't like Jalen Ramsey one bit, but you have a guy who, you know, let's say he's going to be a top ten cornerback for his entire career. Why are you letting him go? And then shipping AJ Bouye off and everything else. I mean, it's it, it's just bad moves all around, like Brian's saying here. That said, let's talk about what the team will look like on the field this year. Uh, you got Gardner Minshew, who played pretty well, I think, as a as a rookie coming in off off the bench. You know, behind Nick Foles, who went down with injury. I, I'm excited to see Gardner play in this offense again. Um, you know, DJ Chark is there. Uh, they brought in Tyler Eifert. Say what you want. He's an he's a he's an experienced tight end. Always. If, he, if he's on the field, if he's on the I field, don't know, yeah. and that's where that's my question mark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, early on in Eifert's career, uh, when he was on the field and healthy, when it came down to the red zone, that guy was as deadly as Gronkowski. Yeah, in his prime. So he obviously he, he, the injuries happened, and I think he's kind of taken the road of Gronk, and that he's kind of a shell of his former self which really wasn't all that great to begin with unless you were in the red zone. Yeah. Uh, but, they, I mean, they, we're talking about guys that are pr- producing there but aren't staying there. Right now we know that Leonard Fournette, his fifth-year option was not picked up. So, I mean, what is what is his this season look like for him? You know, what as far as what he's going to look for in a contract next year? Uh, you know, I think he's proven that he's – He's a one type of back. He's going to run it downhill and smash mouth football. He actually had quite a bit of receptions. Uh, Out of necessity. So. Well, yes, but I, th- I think that uh, that bodes in his favor that he can do that job going into this next offseason for him to get a contract. That being said, the Jaguars have made it perfectly clear that they do not see him as the person of the future. Therefore, he's going to get. 300 carries for probably, you know, he's, he'll probably break a thousand yards, but he's going to get 300 carries, which in the life of a running back, 
doesn't bode well for them long term. Yeah, I mean, so agreed there for sure. Uh, again, let's talk about the receivers a little bit. You know, DJ Chark and Gardner Minshew had a pretty good um, chemistry on the field last year. DJ had a good season. Uh, they bring in uh, second round pick wide re- wide receiver Lavisca Chenault. Uh, who I think is a pretty awesome value uh, for for them. I think he's going to be a, a big impact on the field this season. Well, I can tell you, I haven't watched a lot of Chenault. He, uh, you know, and Minshew for that matter, uh, being in the Pacific Northwest here. So uh, he's Chenault, a cougar, man. Chenault is a guy <laughs> who uh, he's gonna he's gonna make you say wow, uh, definitely. You know, he's six foot one. He's two hundred thirty pounds. He's he's an absolute monster on the field. Uh, there's a lot of reports, you know, that he was typically the strongest guy in the weight room. Uh, so he's going to work. He's going to put an effort. But is he going to be a guy who's going to be open a lot in the NFL? Is he going to have that quick step to be open? Uh, or are we going to see an uh, offense that is uh, intuitive enough to get him, you know, in some end arounds and get him involved in some screens and things like that? Uh Yeah, I, I have a lot of question marks with him, but he has potential. I just don't have – a lot of faith that the uh, Jaguars will have the the brains to know how to use him correctly. And then Gardner Minshew, he's a guy who turned the ball over a lot with fumbles. Uh, interceptions didn't look too bad, but he had a fumbling issue. Uh, he does try to make too big a plays sometimes. Uh, sky's the limit for him, but I think at, at best in his career, I don't know that he's going to really get much better than what we saw last year. Yeah, I think they might use Chenault in like trying to take a page out of the Titans playbook who we'll talk about later with AJ Brown. He's, he's more of a guy that you get those screen passes to get him into space and he's big and physical and fast and just get the ball to him and let him make something happen. Cause you were saying Chenault's six, one, 230 pounds. Is that what he says? So yeah. Monster. Well, like, again, I think that they should use him that way. I think that that's the prototypical, uh, the exactly what you should use. That's the blueprint. But will they? Is the yeah. question. I don't know that they will. Uh, even I don't even know who they're who who who's in charge of their offense right now. It, it's such a roundhouse of everything in that front office. It's just too much to even keep up with. Uh, if, I, I I just give you the best advice you get. If you're a Jaguars fan, just don't. Just don't. <laughs> Before we move on, let's talk about what they did do on the defensive side of the football. I mean, they had two first-round picks this year. Picked up C.J. Henderson, arguably the best cornerback in cornerback in this in this draft, and they brought in pass rusher Caleb on Chason. And if they keep Yannick and Gakwe around, if they can get him to sign his franchise tender, um, I think that's a good Caleb on Chason and Yannick and Gakwe. I think are two uh, two seriously good pass rushers on the edge. I think. Uh... Chason was a decent pass rusher in college. I think he'll be a below pass rusher in the NFL. Uh, I think that they, I, I, I think they put too many chips in that basket. I don't think they addressed that need well enough. Um, I do like is it Henderson or Anderson. You put Anderson down, CJ. Yeah, I thought it's CJ Henderson. Hen- H. Henderson. Yeah, and I do agree. He, he, tremendous value at corner there, but again, you don't have anybody else now. Uh, you you lost AJ Bouye, you lost Jalen Ramsey, so he's coming in to uh, be the sole guy as a rookie. Uh, asking him to cover number ones, uh, that's a lot to ask of a guy, unless he is uh, next generation guy. I mean, that's that's too much to ask. You know, they had twelve draft picks. They somehow maybe they've turned the page and they thought 
this is the new base. This is what we're going to start building our, our franchise around, in which case very good draft. If they start making good moves in the future, if they start having better free agencies, keep focusing on the draft. These guys are guys that you could be talking about two years from now. I just don't expect them to have a big impact early on because I don't think there's enough pieces there. I don't think there's a good enough culture there yet to put them in a position of success. On that note with culture, let's talk about the Texans and what they're going to look like here. Um, I think uh, with Bill O'Brien, I, I think this this team is on the verge of a total culture and collapse. Uh, at Bill O'Brien being the head coach and the GM and the front office and yada, yada, yada. I mean, he, I think the moves he's making with this team is really hurting this team long term. I agree. Um, I agree. I think that uh, Bill O'Brien, he tries too hard to be like Bill Belichick. I think that that hurts him at times. Uh, I mean, trading DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson and, and giving up uh, and getting a second round pick is just despicable. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to to see DeAndre Hopkins traded was kind of the moment for me that I realized that this team, I just can't have any faith in this team long term to do anything. Uh, you, you've got a guy in uh, Watson, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, who has developed a real rapport. I mean, these guys actually go back to college together. So, I mean, these guys have a long, long history uh, of just being friends and knowing each other. And then on top of that, you know, being a connection on the football field. And for for whatever reason, uh, Bill O'Brien thinking that that was a good idea to trade a guy um, who was under contract for another two or three years. At least two. At, at least two. Cheap rate, you considered know. the wide receiver market now. And, and yeah, he, he probably came in. He probably asked for a raise. You know, guess what? Everybody in the NFL feels like they deserve a raise. Everyone everywhere. You know, and it, it – you can say that there's a culture problem, but at the same time, that's your job as a coach to get people in line and say, hey, you signed a deal. You know, if, if he forces a holdout, if he goes that route, then you have those conversations. But I think that he has too much control as, a, you know, as the GM and the coach. Very few coaches, front office personnel people can do that. Uh, and I think that it's just far too much to ask Bill O'Brien to be in that position. And it they weren't good enough to lose a player like DeAndre Hopkins. I'll just say that. Agreed. I mean, let's talk about, I mean, what did they do? Um, what did they, what are the other receivers around him look like? I mean, they have Will Fuller who's oft injured. Uh, they brought in Kenny Stills, you know, with the, in the trade with Laramie Tunzel for the, in the dolphins and stuff. Uh, I, I mean, I believe in Kenny Stills. I think he's going to have a great season this year. Uh, you know, I think, I, but without having a true number one, they they, they brought in Randall Cobb. So you have a, a talented set of receivers, but there's no true number one, which is. Yeah, I mean, you do get Brandon Cooks, who, you know, outside of last year, I believe, was his only year that he didn't hit a thousand yards as a receiver. Um, so, I mean, you get a guy who who is definitely still a solid guy. Uh, I, I do see I've seen the culture of the the vertical passing game uh, that they try to instill there in Houston. Uh, but then that comes down to is that offensive line gonna hold up time after time after time? Uh, Laramie Tunsil is a very, very solid pass blocker, but you can only ask him to block deep, 
block for three seconds, for four seconds, so many times before that's going to take a wear and tear on him. Uh, I just don't think in this day and age that that's a, a successful recipe or a recipe for success. Well, and he's um, only one guy on that offensive line, and that offensive line is is not good. Takes five. Yeah. Should yeah. be good. Yeah, I think Watson was still sacked 40, 45 times last year, um, even with Tunsil, I don't think, allowed a sack. You know, so the other four guys allowed the rest. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that there's anything special to do with the Texans this year. They do bring in – they did draft Ross Blacklock, who was – uh, a big pickup on the defensive line. But, you know, they have Whitney Merciless still providing pressure off the edge. J.J. Watt is a shell of his former self. Uh, Mindful that's still an effective shell. Yeah, he's still very effective. <laughs> went, went on the field again. Yeah. I mean, he's he's really struggled with injuries. Um, it, it's hard to imagine that this guy uh, is, you know, five years removed from the time that we were arguing that this guy should have been the NFL MVP like truly the best player on a football field. Uh, and now we argue maybe he should just be, you know, a pro bowler. So, I mean, he, he's nowhere near who he used to be. So, I don't know. I think the Texans are trending in the wrong direction, and I think Bill O'Brien is the absolute wrong guy to write that ship. Agreed. I'll say this. I, I believe, yes, they are trending in the wrong direction. In Bill O'Brien's defense, like look at the offense on paper. On paper, I think they are better with David Johnson. No, Randall no, 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 Cobb, no, no. Don't say da- don't say David Johnson. When was the last just, time? Just, when was the last time David Johnson on, was good? I don't, on paper, I, I that's don't, why I'm saying on paper. On paper, you lost DeAndre Hopkins. No, <laughs> I don't. I'm, no, I'm saying on paper. On paper, when was the last time David Johnson was good? Three seasons ago. Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, you're you're. <laughs> Bring I mean, in these, you're bringing Johnson in these guys off. at name value, you know, for the the value of their name, hoping that they can live up to it. So in that sense, I get what he was doing. I, he's he took one guy and he finagled things, and now he's got three guys. So I get what he's going there. So there's gonna he's trying to distribute the ball more. So I still don't agree with losing DeAndre Hopkins because you have a guy that can literally do anything Everything. you want for a receiver he can do it i think he works low he can work he can work downfield so i i get what bill o'brien was doing i don't think it's gonna work but i i believe what he was do uh what he was doing was good i but you just can't get rid of deandre hopkins in the process yeah i thought the david johnson move was it was weird and, I, and I, the reason i say that specifically is yeah there was a time for a for like a year that we were like, wow, David Johnson is the best running back. He can do it all. And now we've seen running backs eclipse what he did. And we haven't seen him do that since 2015, 2016 was last time. I, I think, think 16, was his, I think his breakout year somewhere in there. Uh, and he still he has a huge cap hit. Huge cap hit. Yeah. I think it's it's crazy. So it's just 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 crazy. <laughs> And I'll close with on the Texans with down with the Texans. Give me those picks. The Dolphins have their first and second round pick in 2021. Uh, with that, let's jump to the Colts. Uh, huge offseason here, too. I mean, they brought in Phillip Rivers, DeForest Buckner, Jonathan Taylor, Michael hey. Pittman Jr. Hey. <laughs> I'll, okay. Stop it. Yeah. James's turn to speak. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, guys. What Nick didn't tell you is there's a lot of backstory behind everything that happened uh, this year. So obviously the number one thing that we are still going to talk about is the fact that this team lost Andrew Luck to retirement a year ago. Uh, this was a team that when they started clicking, it almost looked like this is this is the next best team in the NFL. They were uh, my Super Bowl favorite last year before Luck retired. I was like, there's no way they're not getting to at least yeah. the AFC championship. I mean, this team started out 1-5 with Luck getting worked back in the offense, Frank Reich being the new coach, the, the Josh McDaniels turmoil coming off all that. Um, and, it, and it went on to get a playoff spot. Obviously got their socks beat off by the Kansas City Chiefs, but, you know, they only lost to the Patriots because of uh, Frank Clark jumping off sides. So, I mean, that was – they lost to – That's Frank Clark. D4. 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 that's right. Yeah, That's who they replaced him with. Yeah, Frank Clark came in after D4. Yeah, so I'm getting off base there. But, no, this is a team that, you know, since the Chris Ballard era has been building this team differently than they ever had – well, really than they had in – in the Andrew Luck era. This is a team that has the best offensive line in football. Um, that has not one, but two solid running backs drafted another, um, had a defense that was very, very solid. They've got one of the best, maybe the best guard in football. They've got one of the best, uh, run stopping covering linebackers in the NFL. Um, and again, it was built all around a culture of developing a base to allow, a big splash move. Um, and that's what we're seeing this year. So now we can kind of jump in uh, to, to who they brought in. Uh, Phillip Rivers, probably, I don't know. He, he's a huge upgrade from Jacoby Brissett, but I'm still not sold that this is the guy that is going to be the savior. I'm really excited for what he can do in a team that's so balanced and so well built. Uh, but I also have the foresight and the kind of, the the humbleness to think that he could blow it for us with interceptions in the postseason. I think I think he's a lot. I think he's luck esque in the sense that they were both gunslingers. Yeah, and they obviously did well with that with luck. So if Rivers kind of go back to what you were talking like Big Ben, if Rivers can be eighty percent of what luck was in twenty eighteen, yeah, they're a playoff team. Yeah, they, I mean they're they're instantly a playoff team with Philip Rivers, and that's that's obviously exciting as a Colts, especially with the seven team playoff format for sure. Yeah, so they're instantly there. I think that Michael Pittman Jr. was um, a really really good good pickup. Uh, he's he's six four plus. Uh, he's a guy that you know maybe doesn't have the full route tree for sure, but he's a guy that if you go back and watch his college highlights, he makes the catches in traffic and. Any player that's doing that in college is somebody that I want more than the guy who's running wide open all the time because that shows that like you can make the hits in contact because a lot of players transition the NFL and then all of a sudden the defense defender steps are closer. These different things, that's what starts developing into the drops. Michael Pittman Jr. already is past that. He's going to make the big catches, and he is the prototypical Phillip Rivers wide receiver. He's the guy that they're going to put it up to. Um and he's not going to be asked to be the number one. T.Y. Hilton's going to be the number one on this wide receiver core. And, you know, I see uh, Michael Pittman Jr. just open a lot downfield because they have safety, double, triple teams over on T.Y. Hilton because he'll take the top off every single time you give him the option to. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, with that, you know, that offense, I think, is going to be humming. I mean, they uh, – 
Marlon Mack showed last year that he's a productive back, and they brought in Jonathan Taylor too. I mean, I think these backs are pretty similar uh, as far as what they what their skill set is. Uh, but they they're gonna just I think they're gonna really try and run this run this football um, yeah. power run game and just rotate these guys in and out because these guys are gonna punish you, you well, know, down after down. And Marlon Mack is a guy who's who's always been quicker than fast, uh, and he's gonna wear you out because he makes linebackers move. He has tremendous vision. He's very Le'Veon Bell esque in a sense. If he sees a move and then he makes a he he gets up on the line, then he makes a cut, and that that wears out defenses. Uh, and then he's he's not going to outrun anybody. But then you're going to have Taylor, who you're going to bring in, who's 225 pounds. He's the prototypical NFL running back at one point in, in time. Uh, but yeah, he's going to come in. He's going to run through you. He's going to run downhill. Uh, if you miss a tackle, he's going to go to the house. And then on top of that, they've got a guy in Naeem Hines who uh, is going to be Philip Rivers' best friend. He loves getting the ball to running backs. Austin Eckler. And uh, Naeem Hines is a guy who who averages, you know, forty to fifty receptions a year as it is, and doesn't get talked about. So uh, this is the most complete running back room in the NFL, I believe, uh, from a standpoint of a guy who's going to make you miss, a guy who's going to run through you, and a guy who's going to make every catch. Uh, the sky is the limit, and as Frank Reich says, they are going to run the damn ball, and I love it. So, mm-hmm. can Power I just say running, that yeah. Quentin Nelson is left guard for the Colts is like the scariest man not trying to sack the quarterback? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's another thing. I mean, they have a guy who was graded, who is a guard, and was graded as the fourth by PFF as the fourth best football player in the NFL. I mean, this guy is – he's special. He didn't allow a sack last year. He's phenomenal in the run game. I love the – if you go back and you watch the Chargers, um, obviously it's just kind of a, a chip block, but just the ease that he puts – takes Melvin Gordon's feet and puts him above his head, you know, on, on a help-out block is just the kind of power that he brings in. Um, and we're not even getting into some of the bigger moves. I mean, they, they brought in DeForest Buckner, who is going to – immediately change the way that defensive line works they still have justin houston who obviously still has more in the tank uh they bring in xavier rhodes who has the real potential to have a bounce back year also could be a major bust in that sense uh i think i feel they like get a, he i feel like he can't be worse than where they were at though. yeah i agree i agree uh trey burton they bring in trey burton who i think is i mean he's only gotten glowing expect or glowing reviews everywhere he's ever been. Uh, he's he's a consistent pass catcher. He's a consistent run blocker. And then they bring in maybe one of my favorite pickups, Roosevelt Nix, fullback from the Steelers. Uh, which power run game? You add more <laughs> of an element to that power run game. And Roosevelt Nix is the guy who decleats people in the open field, uh, which just adds to that. So I think this team, you know, next to the Browns, I think this is a team that maybe won the off season. Uh, they were winning games. They were fighting for a playoff spot with a completely one dimensional quarterback uh, and Jacoby Brissett, who I love as a human being uh, just a great aspect for the locker room. But at the end of the day, he only throws to wide open receivers. And, and unless you can throw open guys in the NFL, you're just not going to be successful at that level. But I hope that he honestly can get another spot on another team, get another chance to compete for a starting spot um, down the road. 
Yeah, I'm going to close. We'll close the Colts with one, just one last bit. Uh, speaking on the quarterback room, they did bring in quarterback Jacob Eason out of Washington, who I think projects could project to look a lot like Philip Rivers. So I think that matchup there with it, where they have those two guys in the quarterback room, you could be seeing the future of the Colts quarterback right there as far as Jacob Eason goes. So. Yeah, Eason was a guy that, uh, you know, honestly, because of his arm, was talked about early in the first round, you know, as one of those guys that could have jumped up. Prior to um, the start of last season, yeah, last yeah. year college. And football. then, obviously, he, he kind of falls apart in the fourth quarter, you've seen. Um, but even then, still a very accurate thrower of the football. He has a lot of the skills and intangibles there. And coming into a team where, you know, there's really no pressure of him starting whatsoever, he doesn't have that first-round label on him. Uh, a great position for him to learn under Phillip Rivers. For sure. Yeah, I think they they made themselves playoff ready and relevant now with Rivers while at the same time planning for the future with Eason. I just like just being making moves like that is what keeps an organization good for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And finally we're on to the Titans. Uh obviously had a hugely successful season last year on the back of uh Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill taking over that on- offense. Uh they bring in uh Isaiah Wilson um to be the new left tackle. I believe they're going to have left tackle there. They lost Jack Conklin at right tackle as we talked about to the Browns. Uh, they signed Dennis Kelly, who was their swing tackle there. So the offensive line is obviously changing, shifting, moving. So we'll see what that running game looks like this year. Wait, so they move in Taylor Luan to right tackle to replace Conklin? Ooh, possibly. Because Luan was a decent left tackle. He, he did, did a four-game suspension for PEDs, but I'm pretty sure he was still great at that position. So unless they're planning to move him to right tackle to help supplement the run game, I, I see him still starting at left tackle. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think they'll they'll really look at a lot of those. They have a guy, um, you know, in Isaiah Wilson who played more left tackle in college. Obviously, you want to get that guy into the position that you think he's going to play long term. Uh, Taylor Luan is still young in terms of football, but getting older in terms of being a lineman, um, he has, I think, the ability to, to move to that right tackle position a little bit easier than a guy like Isaiah Wilson would, but um unless they see something in camps unless they look at that and say that uh you know wilson has that ability to go into that right tackle role i think we could see either one of those things happening but in either case i think that they have two solid tackles um they they definitely replaced jack conklin with a guy who's got potential uh in that situation so with that run game though too on Derek, you know speaking of the you know offensive line Derek henry franchise tag this year uh, led the league in rushing last year, as Brian said. He, he doesn't think he does it again this year. You know, um, with the with the, with the way the running back culture is, you know, I don't want to go down a down a rabbit hole as we have before. Uh, I, you know, I could see them just dishing him the ball a ton this year and letting him walk next year in free agency. Um, you know, just run the run the wheels off of them. Uh, they did bring in Darrington Evans to be the the second part of this um, smaller guy, had a real fast four four one forty. He's gonna be the Dion Lewis. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, I I don't think this run game takes a step back in any in in any way, shape, or form. Really, uh, I, I just see I see Derrick Henry getting a lot of usage. I think you know the the one thing that Derrick Henry does have going for him was that he wasn't used a ton in his first two years. 
So this isn't a run. This isn't necessarily a running back who came into the league and just started getting that wear and tear put on him. Um, I think that if he can have a better season than last year, I think he gets a contract. I think if it's as good or even a little bit worse, I don't think he gets the contract because obviously you want somebody who's on an upward trajectory who looks like he's only getting stronger versus, okay, we might have another year or two of this, but then he's going to fall off that cliff. Uh, So definitely interesting there. Uh, Ryan Tannehill definitely gives him the ability to have space and holes because he's going to take advantage of play action options much better than Mariota did. But I have a hard time seeing Derrick Henry, who is really a one trick pony. He, he's a stretch and react guy. Uh, he, he really doesn't even run up the gut as well as you would expect him to. He gets stuffed at the line a lot. I think he led the league in, uh, he was, he was first or second in, um, tackles behind the line of scrimmage and when you're a guy that's that big that's definitely not something you want to see you need to get that weight Um, rolling downhill the biggest thing you saw from him is they get him going on a stretch and he has the enough agility to make a cutback um but teams are are wise that they have a full full year of tape on him and i don't know if he's got enough tools to 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 combat people coming out and trying to stop what he's good at Shifting to that uh, defensive side of the football, they did bring in Vic Beasley. Um, they, they drafted Christian Fulton in the second round, which it was surprising to see. It was it was surprising to see Christian Fulton in the second round, but also not. He definitely slid. I mean, there was there first round talent was all over this guy. Uh, you know, there was multiple places I saw him mock to Dallas in first round. Um, but if you go back and watch the national championship game, this dude got lit up by the the Clemson Tigers and, and Justin Lawrence, um, or Trevor Trevor Lawrence, sorry. Um, and I think that's I think that contributed a lot to why he slipped in the second round. But if he can if he can be the you know the the, the first round talent, I think that obviously they got a huge value there in the second round. Yeah, I think Vic Be- Beasley's huge. I mean, he he's not too far removed from having a 15 and a half sack season, Um, you know, followed up with a couple of five sack seasons, eight sacks. Um, You know, obviously he's a guy who knows how to get to the quarterback. You don't have a ton of guys like that. So I think they did get an upgrade with him. Uh, All around that defense is very solid with, you know, guys like a Dory Jackson back there. They have uh, the defensive line is mostly intact from last year. Yeah. They lost Jarrell Casey. Right, that, that's the only piece, but I think he even 31, 32 years old. So I think that they can step up and replace him. Uh, I think his production was slipping as time went on. So I think their biggest, the biggest thing they have going for him is is uh, their coach. I think they have a very, very solid coach. I think they have a very solid culture. And not a big, splashy offseason, but sometimes you don't need that. You just need to kind of – uh, revisit what you did well and just try to do those things better. And I think that's, we're going to see a lot of that this year with them. Yeah. I th- uh, I'm going back to the offense a little bit here. Um, I think that Derrick Henry actually, even if he does do a little bit worse than his 1500 yards that he put up this year, I think they do give him a contract. It might not, it's, it might, it shouldn't be. I'll just say it shouldn't be Christian McCaffrey money. He's it like, might very well be just because the way that the cap. He was already saying works. this year, though, that he wanted to be the highest paid when he gets paid. You know, Christian McCaffrey just set that bar, and you know 
we see it every single time with these players. If you ask for that top money once, you want that top money. And I would be really, really surprised if he doesn't say that he's somehow worth uh, what Christian McCaffrey's worth. And obviously we know that players that get paid aren't necessarily better than the last player that gets paid. They just get paid more because they're the next contract. They're the and, next man. Um, up. Yeah. But, and that's, that's where I just don't see Derek Henry getting re-signed. Yeah, I do. But I, I want to pose a question uh, to you guys. Like, outside of A.J. Brown, do the Titans have anyone to throw the ball to? Uh, John o. Smith, their tight end, uh, was really active uh, once Tannehill came in. Um, but I think he's the he's the biggest one. I did they they did let uh, Corey Davis go, I believe. Either that or they just. Didn't I think they still have him, but he's just they just he's didn't just pick a up his So, um, let me, let me let me pull up some stuff here. I wasn't looking into. And it, yeah, while he's doing that, I'll just get to my point. Like if if AJ Brown and then like John John Smith Smith are the only people that they have to throw the ball to, I think these guys have a real good chance of really crumbling, you know, offensively and as the team as a whole, you know, obviously you got to put points on the board to win. And if they're depending on Derrick Henry rushing the ball 25 times a game and Tannehill only having 80 yards, hundred yards passing, like that worked for him in the playoffs because they, they were against suspect run defenses in the Patriots and the Ravens. But that, that, that's not going to work for a 16 game season and, and into the playoffs. Yeah, I think they just expect, you know, a lot of teams – I think the way that this team is built is they don't they're, – they're fine with going into the playoffs 8-8 eight and eight because they think that if they can do what they do well in the playoffs, they can do what they did last year. Yeah. Um, a power run game and a dominant defense is going to be enough in those situations. But I agree. They, they do need to open up some more. They need to get some weapons at the wide receiver position. Uh, but I, I think right now, I think they have enough to at least still be a competitive team next year. Yeah, and with that, uh, again, we haven't talked about how we will, how previous or pr- prior to the episode, we didn't talk about how we have these teams ranked. So to wrap up today's conversation, or BS as it were, let's uh, let's get the rankings going, guys. What do you got? I'll, I'll go last year. Okay, I, I'll start it off. Um, I got the Colts at number one, and it's not close. Uh, from and then uh, next, I actually do think I got the Texans. I think they're just a more complete roster than the Titans and the Jaguars, but not far behind them. I do have the Titans just because if they can get that, you know, if Derrick Henry does roll like he did last year, they are going to win. They are going to win games. And then yeah, the last the Jaguars, there's just not a lot of bright spots on that team. They got DJ Chark who had a nice breakout season, but does he do it again on a team that is going to, that is going to be bad again? They, they had some bright spots last year, some flash just cause no one knew who Gardner Minshew was now got a year, year of tape on him. I, I just, I don't think he, uh, I don't think they do what they did last year. I think they're going to be terrible. Yeah, I, I agree. Jags, Jags are probably going to end up with the first overall pick this year, and then they'll be they they they'll have their pick of the quarterbacks and Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Let's see what that looks like. Um, next, I do have the Texans in third in this division. I just I I don't trust Bill O'Brien one iota. I, you know, 
he's he's, he's a making, great he's a great coach terrible yeah. gm he's he's making it i don't think he's a great coach yeah so. I, I think he's making it difficult for anybody to have any confidence in him as as a as a coach because of the decisions make he's making as a gm and i i so i, I think the the team in that, that locker room is going to second guess him and i think that team implodes um next i have the titans and i I do think they'd get into the playoffs uh, with this seven man uh, or seven team playoff deal Uh, even then they may not they may miss out because of that uh, the division we talked about before with the uh, uh, nfc or excuse me afc north they may the afc north could have three teams in the in the playoffs this year but um uh yeah so third or excuse me second is the titans and, and I, I agree with brian colts colts being the first and um because that is that is a complete roster it's a complete team they should have been in the playoffs prior to the luck retirement last year so yeah and yeah just to piggyback right off the colts there i think that this is a team that uh could easily go you know anywhere between 11 and 5 and 13 and 3 i mean they have that kind of potential uh philip rivers is an elite quarterback, even if he had a down year last year, I think the, the interceptions fall down this year because he's not going to be he's not going to be required to do as much. This is a team that's going to be top five in rushing the ball. Uh, Philip Rivers is going to be asked to uh, make plays, you know, only once in a while, uh, you know, maybe once a quarter, twice a quarter, and then some big games he's going to be asked to step up. Uh, and so I think we see his stat line improve drastically. And then number two, I do have uh, the Titans at number two. You got to remember this was a team last year. They were only one game difference between uh, the Texans and uh, between the Texans and the Titans. So I think the Titans had a more effective playoff run. I think they gained a lot of confidence. I think they really uh, rallied behind Tannehill, and I think that they are going to just carry that into another eight and eight, nine and seven year fringe playoffs. Like Nick said, going to be really really tough with the AFC North being what it is. Uh, Then I'm going down to the Texans. And again, I think there's just a culture problem there. I think that anytime you trade away your best player, you're asking for trouble. Uh, You've you've still not heard DeAndre Hopkins have anything negative surface about him. So it's not like there was a culture problem with DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I legitimately think he asked for a raise and Bill O'Brien shipped him out of town. You know, so I think that there's something definitely there that's going to cause an issue. Uh, and then wrapping up with the Jaguars, not a lot to say. I just think that they just continually do things poorly. I think that at best case scenario, they've shifted their uh, their their mindset on how to build a team, and that's not going to be next year. But they're maybe putting in some play to some pieces that they could be a team to reckon with five years from now. And with that, uh, we're going to end today's podcast, guys. Thanks for uh, joining us here on the All B Sports Podcast, where it's all BS all the time. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.